Switch it up, Jenny. 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 Switch, switch, switch it up. Switch it up, Jenny. Yes, switch it up. Switch it up, Jenny. Hi everybody, this is Switch It Up Jenny. We are coming back after a long break with lots of new stories and fantastic guests. Today I'm going to talk with Dimo Hanjun Kim, a young sensation. I'm not afraid to say so. He's the first Korean who directed a musical with all Asian cast in New York on a very sensitive political topic, being just 25 years old. How after one night he became famous and what tragic story came before that Dima told me yesterday while meeting at the Central Park first of all thank you so much no. for coming for finding no, some no. time I know you I know that now you're preparing your new show so you're probably very much busy and thinking about it a lot right yeah lots of pressure yeah so um, what I want to start with tell yeah. me when was that when you came to the United States yeah August 2010. 2010. Yeah. So it's been six years already. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you came for studies? Yeah, and also just just came here to make a musical. Yeah. But did you study here? Or yeah, did I studied here. You study yeah. here. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, where is that? Like what university? Uh, what? It's a uh, city university. Yeah. City university. And yeah. uh, what program is that? It's a theater major. So you finished. You're done with that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Tell me about that time when you came here, and you, as all of us, were looking for an apartment, probably like taking months for that with all the guarantor and you know all the hustle. Oh yeah. Um, and then you found an apartment with a roommate, right? Mm -hmm. And your roommate's tragic story led you, inspired you to create a, a screenplay. That later became uh, an off-Broadway musical green card, right? Mm -hmm. So can you tell me yeah. more, like the whole story? So, yeah, I was having trouble to finding guarantee tour or like, finding apartment. Like, you know. How long it took you? I mean, basically, I always find one, but it was not best choices. <laughs> okay. You know, and uh, um, me and my ex-roommate were working on the Korean restaurants in K-Town. So we were, look, we were finding the apartment like near the 34th street. And somehow we get the apartment on the 32nd street. And it was a Korean broker, so like he didn't, he didn't like ask that much about, you know, guarantee, guarantor or like income, like four times income. He just like, okay, just pay me the broker fee and you can live here. So that's how we start live together and we work at the same restaurant so usually our house is more like a shelter every break time we come to the apartment and just sleep one hour and just go back to the shift and it was like that but actually both of us we didn't come here to just being a like like Korean restaurant server you know? mm. um, I came here to make a musical or to, or to being a musical director um, and he came here just to be an actor you know, or I mean he wanted to be a famous actor but at least he wanted to be an actor as every actor wants to be a famous actor yeah 
and he wanted to be really like an iconic Asian famous like movie star but um, when he came here he find out like first he had to fix his diction and second even though he got the he got the role um, they asked him for the green card or citizenship or working visa so first like three years for him just being in the audition field was unsuccessful nobody gonna hire him either his accent or look because he was Asian there's like a limited opportunity for him and also even though he got hired same thing like a green card and to get the green card or the artist visa he needs some um, experience but to get the experience he needs the artist visa or green card so, so it's the catch-22 it's know. a vicious circle that like mm -hmm. every actor I guess faces especially for the international actors because there's so like there's not that much role and especially they just being cast as ensemble or extra and later they just somehow find out they just acting like the deli owner or laundry owner just that, that kind of like a stereotypical roles so yeah so he was struggling that kind of problems the first three years and yeah one day at the living room I found out like him and the one I'm gonna just like a white bear like one American girl was talking about something and I said who is she and she, he, he, was, he said oh um, she's the one who's gonna offer me the fake marriage mm -hmm. so they're talking about you know like where did we meet or like, what color did you like did I like blah 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 and they're like something they're, they're preparing prepare for the interrogation and they're, I was like oh how much is it and she was like it's twenty thousand dollars i was like putting some memos and putting some sketch about that kind of stuff it is funny because and they're like oh and also they're like preparing a lot of like questions even the like sexual questions or any backgrounds so, like how many grandmas grandpas or aunts <laughs> they're like preparing so specifically and i was like that's funny so i just like wrote the memo on it It is funny, but it, it is how it is, right? Yeah, so that memo became the script later. Yeah. But somehow she she ran away with the $2,000 cash. So uh, he just got $18,000 and he was like asking me, like, what should I do with this cash? And I was like, oh, invest in my musical. Um, at that time, it was my promotion called Confirmant. I said, invest in my musical. I'm looking for an investor. And he was like, well... All right, whatever. Just use my money and let me be the investor. He had a really good body. He won some prizes of physics contest, like national physics contest. He got some sponsorship from the gyms or any like physics. Where they needed his physical appearance, right? Yeah, yeah. and like a, he got like sponsored by creams or any powders, mm -hmm. like uh, like a protein shakers and. Somehow he just put it more into his uh, profession as a physics contester because he couldn't succeed as an actor. But actually, while he was um, working on the physics contest or that kind of like, yeah, it's a fitness model. Yeah, mm -hmm. fitness model was because he was trying to succeed as a fitness model and get the sponsor green card, and then he was trying to pursue as an actor. So anyway, he was a person as an actor, but he had to find the other way. Yes, but. Being a physics contest or fitness model, um, there's something like very dark 
um, thing behind it is steroid. Okay. Because to get that kind of body yes. and to sustain the body, they doing steroids. Like and like nobody talks about this, but they do it. And their physic coach is actually somehow like um, steroid brokers. So oh my God! So this that sounds like a like a drug dealing <laughs> case. And it's like a drug contest, really. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I can say this or not, but like because I got I I saw one who suffered. So so somehow he was putting steroids a lot to his body, and also um, male hormone because to make the body more sharper. And somehow the steroids and the male hormone makes him aggressive. Mm -hmm. That's how the body is. And so <laughs> that kind of thing, and he was very, uh, and that steroids makes person depressed a lot. So that side effect makes him depressed. And uh, he somehow it got combined by his self ego as a, I came here to be an actor and I'm not, now nothing. I'm just serving at the restaurant. What can I do? Uh, it just like complex and make him depressed. Somehow on July, 4th of, it was 4th of July. 4th of July, I, I found his body in my living room. And it was two to three weeks before the, the sh my show opens that he, he um, invested. So, and the day before he committed suicide, he asked me for the 10 come tickets because he put the money in and said, can I get 10 come tickets? Of course, I opened the night, yeah, 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 yeah. And then just like seven hours later, he hung himself. I was like, no, it cannot be because he asked me for the come ticket and I, like, he was looking for the future, not like, no, I, I couldn't believe myself. But later I found out it's because of steroids and multiple depressed, like, yeah. well, that's psychological probably. older mm -hmm. and I was like yeah maybe it's not him it's, it's, it's his brain no somehow I just admit it but first I thought it was like oh this is a homicide like someone killed him but yeah I was looking for like did, did he borrow some money from somewhere like or any brokers mm -hmm. but it was not and so right after that somehow I was panicked uh, but the show got show must go on, she show opened on July 31st and the conferment was a successful run and after the after the show, I mean everybody after the show getting a little bit depressed and thinking about their past life and I was like, you know what, like, and at that point a lot of media came to me so somehow I I got, what, what do you call, I got dep dependent, independent from that Korean server life or that something like just like a dreamer like I s somehow made a dream and people sending me the mails like how can I pursue my dream how can I succeed it and somehow so you became a success yeah, story in America yeah basically. I was like oh somehow I got the American dream <laughs> and really like a lot of a lot of like medias came to me and like just 2015 I got more than 200 interviews. So it was like outstanding. I, I couldn't believe it, but somehow it just happened. And then while I'm having, the, having that spotlight, I just thought about, well, what about that dude? Yeah. Nobody remember him. Yeah, and he sponsored the show. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, they yeah. didn't do, in, haven't even had a chance to see it. And the one guy came here to, 
into having an American dream just disappeared. And I was like, wait a minute, like this cannot be happened because he really tried hard, but no one, no one remembers him at all. Now he's just gone. So. And Listen, then, I think that's a story for another musical, actually. <laughs> just like two heroes, uh -huh. someone who got the uh, American dream and uh, someone who lost who it. Lost it. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. This is a good story. I moved my, from my old apartment because after that, so I moved out and I was repacking my luggages at my new apartment and I found a little memo that I took it from that he was doing the fake marriage and I was like, Oh, this is it. like this is a good story that I can make him memorable, like through the story. So, um, and then this guy, Kim yep. Soro, yep. that's I pr pronounce it correctly, right? right? Yeah. So he's very famous in Korea. Like every every Korean knows him, yeah. And so he came to the United States, to New York. Mm -hmm. He saw your previous play which is uh, which was a comfort woman no he couldn't he couldn't see the comfort woman because at the time when the show was happening i was not famous but while she was happening and people just people in korea know about like who's that guy and what's the show and so after the show i got a lot of what do you call a lot of meeting appointment with the producers in korea okay they, they just want to buy the license of the comfort woman so uh when I came to Korea, basically I met all the major producers in Korea. And I was talking with them, but most of the producers were like actually focused on the, the money and the like a recoup point. But Suro Kim was the only one who was like, all right, let's go for it. And what's on your next show? And yeah, like he was more about asking for my future project and like, oh, that, that sounds fun. Oh, this sounds fun. Like he was the one who actually really doesn't doesn't care, doesn't just care about the money, but also care about the potential at all. So that's what he liked. So right. I was like, all right. Mm -hmm. So I picked him, and he picked me. So we both like, okay, let's work together. And I talk about the my next show, Green Car, and he was like, cool. Um, and just money wired right away. And and yeah, and then I I start to make the show and here. And he was keep uh, supporting me from Korea, sending me the money or sending the people that he got, designers or any assistant directors. And then, yeah, and then he came to the preview because he found it, he had to see the, the preview. And I'm preparing his next show in February. Okay, so he's gonna sponsor, like uh, produce it again. That That's actually, his show he made in Korea last year and that got recouped like the first day of the show and the show got import I mean imported to Japan and now it's doing um rerun through in Korea right now and then he was like do you think the show can be in the new city I was like yeah why not say like, okay let's make it in the new version as well I was like alright so we're preparing that but like a lot of pressure and then like you know pressure like, from whom not not from him it's more about like because he also got the investors and i also have to look at the investors so i mean pressure for the market you know, because american market 
American market and Korean market because we we're creating American audience in American market with the Korean investment. So it's a little bit it's a little bit news new spectrum for American theater because no one did no one did bring the Korean money before, but they put the money for certain outcomes and certain expectation, but usually just very high expectations. Yeah. I have to feed their expectation, but like really. It's hard it's just to surviving in American theater as Asian director and as a young Asian with a small budget director. It's really there's really limited things to do, but somehow I have to make some outcomes. So, and this is what you like. You like the challenge, right? Yeah, but like this is too much. <laughs> Yeah, okay, well, hopefully, uh -huh. um, further we go, less uh -huh. challenges we have, but uh -huh. normally it's not like that, unfortunately. Uh, but talking about the challenge uh -huh. and going back to green card, yep. so um, the immigration mm -hmm. issues are actually uh -huh. like a very sensitive issues and right. they are on the top of the agenda right now, mm -hmm. particularly um, when we have like few months uh, before right. the election. So the first question, do you actually want to stay here? Um, yeah, like, I mean, first of all, I don't want to give up my, like, Korean nationality, but, like, of, of course I want to work both fields, because some part of the field I want to work with America, but some part of the field I also want to work with Korea, but, like, but I don't want to just force to move or choose my destination because of the status. No, I, I want to have a free choice, not just, oh, your visa is expiring in three months, so you cannot be here anymore. But like sometimes oh, I, I want to come here and I want to work in America and just being as an artist I want to just do some art in here I just want to just make some you know I'm, I'm not here just to make some cell phones and make some industry you know but I at least I just want to have a free choice to move back and forth I mean of course I just don't want to be like a tourist and just like being an illegal immigrant I, I want to be a legal immigrants and also like approved by the government I want to work with fine atmosphere but the system right now is because of funny thing is they say oh welcome to America come to America you have American dream that's what the American so doing advertising through all of the world right now with through the medias or even you go to the Korean I mean American embassy in Korea to get the visa or to get them yeah to get the visa and there's long lines like three hour lines everyone will go to America and there's like five TVs through the lines like because people are boring and all the TV is all about Las Vegas Statue of Liberty and Grand Canyons and like uh, Americans like successful and like New York's Fifth Avenues uh, everything they show a picture is about the American dream and if you go there you'll succeed and that's how the media was and like and there's a lot of like people who succeed in America come to come back to Korea and they're like oh yeah I went to Harvard like yeah like, and somehow I'm working city make right now or something like that that kind of inspire people to come to the America but the problem is yeah that was true like you can't have American dream if you come here you've got the proper visa proper status but when I came here BAM like Nothing is protected. It's like it's like a, like an open jungle, and like you get the job by yourself. You make your status a visa. Oh, of course you have to hire with your lawyer. And it's like 
wait a minute, like, you said I can work here. I think, no, you can't. <laughs> you, know, you have to get the proper visa. Uh, to get the artist visa or green card visa, you need a lot of outstanding performers or uh, experiences, and such as like they require really off-Broadway or Broadway credits uh, in theater department. But to get the off-Broadway, Broadway, you, ha you get to get a green card or citizenship or at least like 10 years of experience. And that just makes another catch-22, like... And we were talking to, uh, with you uh, <laughs> before that, that about the, uh, the unions and how you yep. get to the Broadway, actually, not off-Broadway, but Broadway show. And uh, so there is this system with unions. Mm -hmm. And can you explain it one more time? So, you like, who can get to the union and why do you need that? Um, so there's a lot of unions, like, for the actors or crews or designers or directors, choreographers. But, uh, first of all, Broadway House requires the whole union house. So, all, all the people, even the ushers or the media media people has to be the union of the Broadway and that's the system they have right now and off-Broadway some houses requires a union some houses doesn't require a union but to be the union such as actors like they need to have the union credit and have to have an experience to get the union chip and um, directors um, we have to prove like we worked on the off-Broadway Broadway or any regional theater or any like we have to prove that we are the director who work here and designers of course they have to show their older resumes and their like drawings and their experiences and sound sound as well musicians same thing so they have to prove they um, are eligibility to the union and once they get the union they get the minimum rates and they're protected by union laws but such as me, like a non-white, young, Asian direct, union director here. In this market right now, uh, there's not that much people want to make the show to the Asian. So basically, like, there's no producer here, American producer, who's going to use me so far. So that's the reason why I just connected with the Korean market, because they need me. But you somehow ma uh, managed uh. to get to the union. And so tell me this, mm -hmm. this crazy story. So, yeah. Um, they called after, you. They called you. After the come room, and yeah, yeah, I saw the email and say, all right. I, so I applied to the SDC, which is State's Director of Choreography Union. And I got the approval letter. I said, cool. And I be became a full member. And then the day when I dragged the green car, I got the email from the SDC like, okay, since you're doing up next up for the show, you have to have a um, union uh, contract. And I'll say, all right. And while I'm reading contract, like I have to get the minimum payment. But at the time, I was a student, an intern student, so I couldn't get paid because it's illegal. So I was like, but actually I cannot get any paycheck or any any cash. I, I cannot get any payment because I, I'm illegal to work right now. So basically, but on the contract, there's a minimum rate and you get the 2% of my um, guarantee, but my guarantee has to be your dollar. And they're like, wait a minute, you're eligible to work? I say, yeah. I say, but then how come you become a union? I say, then how come, I be, then how come you didn't ask me? And they're like, all right, there's some 
funny situation right now. <laughs> like let's hold a meeting and they had a meeting and they called me. Alright, so so far Yeah, this is very like tricky situation right now, but like since the green car's going, so we have to just figure out somehow uh, you know what? As a full member you cannot direct the green car because it's breaking every rule. So right right now how about we move to associate member right now just during the green car and when you get the work permit or any status back then we'll just put you as a uh, back to the full member. I was like, all right, but like, but still you're a member, and that's the most yeah. important. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the, the thing is, union law or or the status or working permit, everything is protected by laws, and there's it's very well organized. But actually, there's like a little bit loopholes, and the one I'm always trying to say is. The reason why there's loophole is because there's some nonsense clause that stops for the like certain international people to come here, and they just put the clause in it, and that's the reason why it makes a lot of loophole because they just because they just say just come come here, and then later they say you know what we're not gonna care about you find yourself. It's like I someone invites me to the house and they offer me the broken glass. And they pour me the orange juice, and I, of course, I'm gonna pour it to the carpet. And they, they just like being crazy, and they're like yelling at me, like, "Why did you pour the uh, orange juice on the carpet?" And I'm like, "You, you gave me the broken glasses. It, <laughs> it had like a big hole in it already." And they're like, "No, you just, all right, you're out of my house, and you're gonna pay my new carpet." And I'm like, "You invite me, you know?" Yeah, I like this metaphor. <laughs> Listen, let's talk about your previous musical comfort one. Yeah. So, what was it about? So, it's about the comfort woman, um, the sexual slaves during the World War II. Um, the, at that time, the Japanese Imperial Army uh, systemized um, and, like, some, sometimes kidnapped, sometimes um, cheated the young 14 to 17 years girl like oh we're gonna bring uh, do you wanna um, get the money yeah we're gonna send you to the factory you'll get the money three years four years work there you get a lot of money coming back to Korea you're gonna feed your parents well so they just go to the ship and they thought they're going to Tokyo or Kyoto or any any place in Japan but somehow when they arrived this comfort station like sexual they just become sexual slaves and of course no money, they're sexual slaves and they just follow the old imperial armies and they had they, their house is actually a comfort station so just the Japanese army came raped them, go back and when they pregnant they put them out and did the old surgery and that's what happened at the 1930 or 1935 to 1940 during the World War II but um, there's like there's still a few survivors, and um, but past seven years because Japanese government government destroyed all the documents, everything, no one knew, knew about the sexual slaves. But in 1991, the year I born, the one grandma actually confessed, not confessed, like talk about it. That actually, you know what? I didn't say because I was a little bit impressed about the the um, view side viewpoints and the media is talking. I was a little bit afraid to talk about this truth 
and then just government search every every victims and victims from Korea, Philippines, China, old East Asia. It just brought up in 1991, but since 1991, Japan was government. Japanese government was like, um, all right, then maybe there were some sexual states, but actually they volunteered by themselves. Like we didn't force them to do it. Like they a little bit tortured some, um, distorted some histories. And that was a very um, hot topic between Korea and China or Japan since 1991. And at 2012, when Shinzo Abe, the Prime Minister of Japan, elected, and a lot of, because they become right-sided, they keep saying a little bit harsh word for the government. They're like, oh, they're a professional prostitute, or they volunteer by themselves, or, um, yeah, like someone actually uh, signed for the contracts, and they just some they just get some small evidence to uh, pretend like it's it's like a volunteer works. And at, since 2012, it just become a hot issue. And at the time, I asked my friends, "Do you know about comfort comfort woman?" They're like, "What's comfort woman? It's like woman who's comfortable." I said, no, 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 it's not sexual slave thing. They're like, "No, like nobody told me about that." So basically. Because I was living at 2012, I, I was more like I live in Korea more than America at the time. I still, but uh, I thought everybody knows about this history. But at the time, I was like, actually, no one teach about this history. So uh, yeah, at 2012, I researched all the testimonies and all the um, testimony books, testimony videos, or any uh, vocal records and. I just like gather some stories all together and just write the script. And of course, it's about the story of the conference. So none of the companies want to invest it because it's too risky. Because if Japanese, if they have any Japanese buyer, they're in Korea. You mean? Yeah, even mm -hmm. even Korean, even Korean, I mean all company, but most of company have a Japanese buyer. Mm -hmm. But if Japanese buyer knows about, um, oh, you, you support the conference like musicals or any stories, and they're gonna close all the business. So it's very risky uh, for the market as well. So I got declined all the companies to get the investment. And I said, but at that time I didn't the money to produce something. And somehow that's the reason why it took three years to get the money. So it was all the individual investors, including my ex-roommates, every like five hundred dollar to twenty thousand dollar you know many people put the money and we do the crowdfunding we get to some money from the crowdfunding and somehow I made the budget and but that took like three years and what was the budget it's uh, um, uh, around hundred thousand mm -hmm. and so that was the first um, all Asian musical in the United States right um, Actually, yeah, if, if it's, it, what should I say? Because there's a show called The Allegiance on Broadway. What should I say? Conferman was the first, yeah, Asian, all Asian cast musical <laughs> lead by East Asian, you know. Because I was, I, I was not American. And the show got hit and we got a lot of good feedbacks and good, um, a lot of interviews, a lot of um, media. So basically, we can say that you hit pretty big goal bringing Korean musicals to 
Oh, to yeah. New York. So that was my first primary goal when I came to New York, I think. Because the reason why I came to America was uh, in Korea. Actually, Korea is number three market for the musical theater in the world. New York, London, and Seoul. But actually, at that point, when I was young, I just saw the old licensed musical, which is Broadway musicals. And I couldn't even find any Korean musicals. And I was like, all right, the market is developing and people love musicals right now in Korea. And I mean, really, like, tickets are sold out every day. And we have a good market and good actors, good staff and good theaters. Especially Korean theater is good because we built after 1950, after the war. So it's like all brand new. Here it's like more than 100 years, so of course. It, 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 it's nice theater, but it's a little bit small, a little bit, you know, old interiors, but in Korea it's like brand new, like 2,000, 3,000 seats. So, but I was like, no one, I mean, there's not that much Korean musical, and it's not no one, because some people try to make a Korean musical, but they fail because um, at that time, Korean people thought, oh, American musical is better than Korean musical. I mean, actually it was, but so at the time I just figured out I was high school student, so something like 17 or 18 years old, I was like, you know what, if I go to New York City, like so-called the center of the musical theater, and if I make the musical of a Korean over there and just bring back to Korea, and then people gonna think, oh, actually we can make a musical. and. So I just thought about the like re-export. So that's the reason why I came to the United States. So that is my primary goal, like making a musical about Korean story here and just bring it back. But and I think, yeah, the primary goal, yes, in the checklist, I think I did it. But while I'm here, I just a lot of Asian actors and Asian artists are suffering because of market, because there's no not that much opportunity. Even me, like really like there's not that much opportunity for me like I have to create by myself because no one is doing it I mean that would be so easy for me because like oh somebody just like producing some show and like oh you want to direct it okay direct it then only thing I have to care about is directing but right now I care about the story including the actors auditions and sponsorship sponsorship money 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 you know and then you know, oh, the musicians, oh, uh, like, because we are low budget, we have to find the bright talent, like yeah. young talent. So I have to like really dig it. <laughs> as a, oh, you're good, you're good. And then the morning is rehearsal and nighttime is like producing and um, like daytime, writing the new scripts. Oh, this one's good, this one's good. And the meeting, meeting, and another rehearsal and, and, and uh, like interviews. You know, it just make me crazy. <laughs> so I, I wish someone making an opportunity, but like, there's not that much. So I'm doing it. But so my primary goal right now, it got changed. It's not just a big Korean story. It's like more about generating more Asian roles and uh, more Asian stories to the this field because it's definitely not told in other stories. And there's a lot of Asian talented actors, but they don't have opportunities. So. But while auditioning, I was, I, I saw a lot of Asian actors are desperate and like 10 year experience with three or four line resume. And I was like, it's not their fault. It's more about the market. It's more fault for Asian 
you know, producer, writer, directors, because we didn't brought up that much projects to the actors. So I was like, oh, this is definitely primary goal, you know, because when I, as I come here to the United States, of course I'm Korean, but I, I look at myself more like as Asian, not just Korean. So I was like, Asian had to grow up, you know, and we have to make some culture, but sadly, the one thing about, I'm, I'm jealous about is, you know, like, um, American audience here um, have a good theater society and good theater goers and African-American theater goers have um, Afri- African-American theaters and they, they really support um, like Raising the Sun or what is it? Color Purple, Memphis, Motown they really support their theaters or works or artworks and even Hispanic theater like in the Heights, Hamilton or On Your Fit, they really do care about their own people and support and appreciate each other but the problem with the Asian is we distinguish by the countries so we don't add such as like African-American people when they meet, this is called brother and sister. And Hispanic people like all like homeless is Libyan, they talk with Spanish. But Korean people or Asian people, when we meet, like where come from? And we say just like, oh, I come from China, Japan, Korea, or Vietnam. And I think Asia is the only one country who has a all ind- individual channels in time on the cable because. <laughs> Like Spanish people have a Univision or Dotivo, but in the on the time order, there's um, Japanese channel, Korean channel, Chinese channel, Vietnamese channel, Indian channel. We separate by ourselves, and I was like, all right, but like we have to make the movement right now. This is a time that we have to move together and collaborate together, not just like, oh, you're Korean, oh, you're not, you're not our side. And, but I, it definitely, it happened last 78 years. And I just want to see all the Asian collaborate each other. And we just generate our own opportunities and offer to each other. And that way we have some cultural powers and culture powers is also the imaginary for the people. And that's, I think that's the somehow Asian people are gonna have a power later through the culture. So. Well, listen, that's amazing. I'm, um, I'm totally uh, seeing you doing that. And uh, I only uh, wish, wish you luck. Yep, and you. I'm looking forward to see like, the uh, results of your great work and Thank hardship you. in a way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there were many more stories that Dima told me after. How he got a promo banner on Times Square almost for free how he got hundreds of interviews with major U.S. media after the success of Comfort Woman, how he was even receiving death threats from Japanese people because of it. His next show will take place next February, and we might talk with him again about all those adventures in New York. I cannot wait to see how he's going to transform the society with his work. More interesting people on Switch It Up Jenny soon enough. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher.